Hello, you're listening to episode 16 of Medical School with Michaela. Today, we'll be talking about concussions. So, what is a concussion? A concussion concussion is a head injury that causes temporary loss of brain function. That can be physical, cognitive, or emotional. It's felt to be a functional disruption rather than a structural disruption, often because we can't see anything on a CT or an MRI or an EEG that actually causes any um, perturbations. So... Um, imaging studies are always normal in a person who just has a concussion. However, we're not looking for something that shows signs of a concussion. When we order um, imaging on a person who we think has a concussion, we're making sure something else didn't happen that hurt them. Symptoms tend to be very short and they can be short or they can last up to 21 days, but they're rarely that long. Causes often include sports injuries, motor vehicle accidents, falls, and abuse. Clinical features that we need to know about. They can be very, very diverse, and so you want to suspect a concussion, but big things that you want to think about are if they lost consciousness, but they don't necessarily have to, if they're confused, or they have difficulty focusing, if they have post-traumatic amnesia, if they have headaches or dizziness, nausea and vomiting, lack of coordination, photophobia, slurred speech, emotional changes, and seizures. The big two things that you need to think about when you have a patient who's presenting and you think they might have a concussion are post-traumatic amnesia, headaches, dizziness, and also confusion or difficulty focusing. But the big two that you need to think about are confusion or difficulty focusing and post-traumatic amnesia. Those two are hallmarks of the condition. If you want to make a diagnosis, you would use the sports concussion assessment tool or the SCAT-3. It's a standardized tool that's used to evaluate athletes um, who are 13 or older who have suspected, who you suspect have sustained a concussion. You test their preseason um, metrics so that you know their baseline, and then those include things like cognitive abilities, balance, and coordination abilities. After they have an, a head injury or something where you think a head injury could have occurred, you want to use the assessment tool to test for symptoms and signs of a concussion. This includes questions about orientation, a neck exam, balance and coordination, and memory. And that form can be found online. You always want to remember to check their airway, breathing, and circulation status. That's the first thing that you do with any patient that you ever encounter. And that can even be something as simple as looking at them to make sure, is their airway protected or can they protect their airway? Are they breathing? And is there, do they have good circulation? You want to rule out an acute intracranial hemorrhage. You want to check for immediately and delayed word recall and ability to follow commands. You want to check coordination, strength, speech, and the recall of the events of the head trauma. Check orientation, such as the day of the week, the month, and the year. And you also want to check for emotional status. Remember, because they can have emotional changes um, related only to the injury. So if they are crying because they saw something that happened in the game that made them really sad, that's different from they got hit, everything's going fine, and they just start crying. You also want to, uh, do a complete neurologic exam because they just had a head injury. They could have injured their head. So you think their child has had a concussion, they're an athlete, and what do you do? At the sideline, you do not let them go back into the game that day. If they got hit and you think they have a concussion, you don't let them play again. You don't wait. You don't let them finish the game. They don't play that day. 
You observe the patient for several hours, and there are three indications that you need to know about when to send them to the emergency when to send them to the emergency room. If they don't spontaneously open their eyes on command, if they're not oriented, and if they can't follow commands, this means something bigger could be wrong, and it means they definitely need to have their head checked. In the emergency room, the indications for a CT include if their Glasgow coma scale is less than 15, um, and that can mean that they don't spontaneously open their eyes, they're not oriented, and they can't follow motor commands. And those, like we talked about, are part of sending them to the emergency room. If they have more than one episode of vomiting, if they're over 65, if you think they, am, they had a fracture, if they had drugs or alcohol, and if there's neurologic changes or seizures. You want to think about these because those are the New Orleans criteria and that's the criteria that you use to decide whether or not a person actually needs a CT scan. The, indivi- the indications for hospital admission are Glasgow coma scale less than 15. So remember what I just said. They need a CT if their Glasgow coma scale is less than 15. If their Glasgow coma scale is 15 or less, is less than 15, sorry, they need to have a CT and they need to be admitted. If their CT is abnormal, they need to be admitted. If they had a seizure, um, they need to be admitted. Um, if they have increased risk of bleed, so let's say the child has a bleeding disorder or whatever, for whatever reason they were on warfarin, you need to admit them to the hospital. And if no one is at home to observe them, they also need to be admitted. So if they tell you, oh, he lives alone and no, he's going to go back home by himself or he can't even go stay with a friend, then they need to be admitted to the hospital. Or somebody works overnight, they can't stay home with the child. That means that they need to be admitted to the hospital. The patient should also seek immediate medical attention if they have headaches that increase, if there are changes in vision, if there's vomiting, incontinence, stiff neck, or or unexplained weaknesses. And they can return to play um, after seven days. And that's the that's the standard. If they've had a concussion, you've diagnosed a concussion, they return to play in seven days, not any earlier. And they need to participate in a in each stage of the stepwise approach to return to play. And they need to go through each stage before they can go to the next one. So the first stage is no activity. They, do, they need to be on complete rest. And the objective there is for recovery. The next is light aerobic exercise. They can walk, they can swim, they can do stationary cycling. And the objective there is to increase their heart rate. Then they can do sport-specific exercises. They can do drills, they can do running, and that's to add movement. Next, we do non-contact training drills, so more complex drills, and that's for exercise coordination and cognitive load. And then they can do full contact practice after medical clearness, and that's to restore their confidence and skills, and then they can return to normal play. It's important that we make sure that children understand this because people who have repeated incidents of head trauma and concussions are at increased risk for developing Alzheimer's and many other syndromes, so we need the child also to not keep getting hit. And that is all that you need to know about concussions.